We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we feeling? It's not a dream. It's real life. James Harden is a net. Yeah, it actually happened. Uh, <laughs> Chunk Town is coming to uh, H Town. It's coming to NY Town. Um, the strip clubs are ready. The buzz is ready. Yeah, I mean, I think today it kind of hit home a little bit more of what the Nets have on their roster right now. And Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Like, the possibility of seeing that talent put on Nets uniforms is kind of ridiculous. We're going to jump into that. Sean Marks spoke to the media today as well. We're going to break that down too. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do you want to start? All right, we're going to be diving into today the Sean Marks presser because there were a lot of really key quotes. And thanks to Chris Mulholland and Matt Brooks for doing some great articles in Nets Daily, as they always do. Uh, this one uh, by Sean Marks, obviously all of these are from Sean Marks. We know what James is capable of on the court. We've seen that. When you're bringing in an MVP first NBA team caliber player, he knows what he's capable of doing. We had conversations with him and he is so eager to get on the court with his guys, be a part of this and start fresh. There is excitement. I know our group is excited, and our coaching staff is excited. Nick, I mean, we're excited. But I'm excited, yeah. Do you think that we get the best version of James Harden heading it? You know, it, it seems to me he needs to win the most out of our superstar trio. He needs that validation the most, and that excitement and that motivation is at least a good sign at this early point. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to do it anywhere, it feels like it's going to be in Brooklyn, given that's where he wants to be. He wants to play with Kevin Durant. He wants to play with Kyrie Irving. Obviously, they wanted him on this team. You know, I'm, I think it's pretty evident that Katie wanted to play with James Harden, too. And like Sean Marks said, he's already spoke to him. He seems excited. And the buy-in is going to be the biggest thing. And obviously, the coaching staff is ecstatic because they get to coach three great offensive talents, two probably being historical offensive talents. So it should be a lot of fun, a lot of creativity for those guys. And it's always good to hear positivity early on obviously we have to see it on the court we have to see it in practice actions speak louder than words but that's a start 
Yeah, and you know, he also mentioned that he, he spoke with James directly. Um, he said, I look forward to getting to know him, just as our players and staff certainly do. Um, I like what I heard. I think he's looking for a fresh start. Uh, they're also going to push our franchise where they need to go. It's beneficial having Mike and know who knows James very well and coaching for the last couple of years. You know, I think that if there were any semblance of red flags about James Harden and where he's at, you know, you've got a lot of people who are associated with him or who have associated with him in the past to be like, well, I don't know. You know, he, he's not going to really get into conditioning that well. Well, is he really going to want to play? You know, are his priorities elsewhere? Mike D'Antoni is probably the best person to know that. And Kevin Durant probably being, you know, number two on that list, you know. Uh, and maybe Travis Scott probably number two on that <laughs> list. Oh, little baby. Maybe those dudes are coming now, now to Brooklyn. and once I saw Travis so. Scott posting something about the net, so I think we have a new fan. <laughs> yeah, and I think I saw, like, James Harden liking strip club things. Yep. And we saw Kevin Durant on Instagram today where I think Brooklyn Nets posted, like, a James Harden compilation package. He wrote Nets World. Man, uh Nets World is still going to be my favorite quote ever, and I'm probably going to post that that video of him. I've got it saved in my phone time and time and time again. But it is now an even greater Nets World, Nick. And do you think that the the association with Mike D'Antoni is going to make uh, the acclimation process for James Harden better? And do you think that having him there is going to force Steve Nash to cater towards him, or is it going to be the other way around? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'll say this to start off. I, I'm not sure if the Nets actually pull off the trade unless Mike D'Antoni is on staff just because of having that inside knowledge. But uh, I think it'll be a combination of both. I think D'Antoni will let Nash know what works well for James Harden and where he can be his best. But it, Mike D'Antoni is going to also let him know, hey, we have Kevin Durant, we have Kyrie Irving, and you're coming into a different situation. This is not Houston. We're not going to run James Harden ball. We're going to play basketball with all three guys. You're still going to get plenty of touches, but it's going to be different. Definitely. You know, I think that you know, there's some great podcasts out there that are analyzing it from a different perspective. Yep. The Dunker spot um, with Steve Jones and Nikias Duncan is really worth a listen. They talk about, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of the Brooklyn Nets and the type of actions that they could run. And, yep. you know, I learn a lot from listening to their podcasts. You know, some do just like general chatter. Some are just, you know, dumb, irrational dickheads like I am on a podcast. Um, and either way, it's, it's a bit of fun. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see, especially the offense, because I, I think that that's where the Brooklyn Nets are going to have a stranglehold on the rest of the NBA. What I am intrigued to see, obviously, is that defense and, you know, what the changes are going to be now with DeAndre. Is there going to be more drop coverage being played? How much are you going to switch with DeAndre on the floor? Are you even going to switch? James Harden, what is he going to be like in a drop-style coverage where he's played, if that, if that is to, to be, yep. you know, inserted? It's going to be very interesting because... Uh, James Harden is quite good in certain ways when the team is catered for him. But right now, the team should be catered for Kevin Durant. And it seems to be that all we're hearing from, you know, Woj and, and Sean Marks and all the little rumblings that we're getting, that this is KD's team right now, despite the fact that Kai's the homegrown kid and mm -hmm. James Harden's probably the better player than Kevin Durant, um, at, at least established himself since um, uh, for the past couple of years, MVP sort of level. But KD, we know KD is that dude right now. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how the acclimation process does go. And speaking of that, Nick, we did I'll actually... I'll just say one thing, Jack. Just like the leadership of Kevin Durant, in which we've seen this year so far, gives you confidence it's his team and he's going to take on that title. And he's comfortable with these two guys, and I think he's comfortable with the rest of the team and taking on that role and letting them know, hey, this is Kevin Durant's team. And I think Sean Marks has made that clear to an extent, and I think that's vividly clear with Steve Nash. Like, Steve Nash has the relationship with Kevin Durant, and he knows truly how great he is. So I don't... I don't have a fear that it's going to go to somebody else's team. It's going to be Katie's team. It's for the other guys to adapt to that. 
yeah, look, the, if you're talking about egos, you know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, those are two dudes that have had, you know, a lot of things catered towards them, you know, in the past. And now yep. that there's going to take an element of sacrifice. And it seems to me that speaking of, after hearing Sean Marks today, that that, that could be on the cards. Uh, and I quote, I spoke to Kai and Kevin yesterday as this was going down, getting their thoughts and really hear what their commitment was going to be. I know Joe Sy had the same conversations. From multiple levels, I enjoyed hearing their convictions and we got some time to see how it translates onto the court. We also talked about the sacrifice that it would take. I never had to bring it up with that with any of them because they brought it up. They were the ones to bring that up right off the bat, which is, what, which is that they want to win. That's all I heard from James is that I want to win. I'm all about winning, and I'll have him reiterate that when he does his media. But at the end of the day, that is what I need to hear, and that is a level of sacrifice needed. It's very easy to talk right now, Nick. Yep. There's still a level of skepticism on my end, but I think the big takeaway from that is, and we'll get to probably Kyrie Irving a little bit later, is that the conversations were involving Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and I think a lot of people might not like that, but at the end of the day, it's super. the, the league is superstar-driven. It'd be driven, stupid man. if they didn't involve them in the conversation. We, we've, we've heard and seen Rob Polenka do the same with Anthony Davis yep. and LeBron James. And we've seen the success that they've had. You know, Rob Polenka got a lot of criticism and, and rightly so in some respects. But, you know, his collaboration with Anthony Davis and with LeBron James has allowed them to achieve the ultimate success. And you see the chemistry that they have. You know, the Lakers are, are, are forming maybe a burgeoning dynasty right now. And the Nets are hoping to do the same thing. So you, you need to get the leaders involved. You need to get the superstars involved. And this big three, you know, we know that talent is there but there is gonna to have to be sacrifice needed every single big three in the history of this sport has had to show a level of sacrifice yep. you know certain players more than any other and Kyrie Irving's probably the one that's going to be sacrificing the most to be honest he's going to be the the Chris Bosch of this trio in a lot of respects but if Steve Nash does enough quality coaching we might not have to see it that much these all these guys could still average 20 to 25 points a night and the Nets could still be winning games and putting up 150 on these fools but what are your thoughts I guess on hearing Sean Marks speaking to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and also hearing uh, the willingness to sacrifice from James Harden. Yeah, I think that's a great move from Sean Marks. I don't know why people get so upset about that. It's like asking one of your employees, like, do you feel comfortable working with this person? Or like, would you like us to hire this person to work with you? And it typically it comes to the case of if you have a friend that wants to work at your job and you give them a recommendation, usually the boss is feeling pretty confident that you guys will work well together. So you have this past relationship. It makes sense. And like, why would Sean Marks want to get a player that Kyrie and Kevin Durant didn't want to play with? You know what I mean? You're just more likely to want to play with certain players because you know their skill set how they fit with you, the relationship you have with that person as well. So to me, it it would be ridiculous if he didn't talk to them and consult them, especially for a trade of this magnitude in terms of how it's going to impact the game. Because like you said, Jack, they're going to have to sacrifice at all levels, you know, less touches, less shots, you know, sometimes maybe less game winning shots or whatever it might be and more intensity on the defensive end and putting an effort on some hustle plays, some more rebounding things along those lines. So, you know, I like to hear it, but like you said, it's easy to say at this time. We have to see it happen on the court. Yeah, one thing that we have seen Kyrie Irving, when he has been out there, he's played like, what, 27 games as a Brooklyn Net <laughs> in his tenure so far. But when he has been out there, especially this season, he has been showing a level of defensive engagement and intensity that we probably haven't seen since his Boston days, early Boston days. Um, and that's really positive to see. James Harden needs to prove that with his actions now as well because yep. it's really easy to say it all. And James Harden said a lot over the past couple of months. But, you know, we know the talent is there. And I think that he can prove himself to be... 
He already is one of the best offensive superstars that we have ever seen. Incredibly versatile scorer. You know, we talk three-level scoring with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You know, James Harden might be even better in, in certain respects. And in, in he'll be of, allowed to but, take mid-rangers if he wants to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If he's I don't think he'll, want he to. will. But I'm just saying it'll be an option that wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, the free throws are going to be up as well. It's going to be, you know... It's, um, that's a real aspect I'm excited about, to be honest. I mentioned it on, I think, the emergency pod on the live reaction, but I think the free throws can be something that'll be ridiculous at times. You'll have James Harden getting free throws, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and like we said, so many double teams usually puts players out of position, leading to more fouls. Like, there's going to be times where the Nets get into the bonus so fast, and it might change the game. I think that's what needs to be a, a real focus for the offense. You know, a, a slight divergence in being like, okay, let's just get a, a quality shot. Let's just get to the line. I saw Steve, uh, we sort of saw that probably game six or so onwards. We've seen Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's intent, especially KD's intent, to really get to the line and force the defense to make decisions on them. And Kevin Durant's an incredible finisher, and he's also an incredible free-throw shooter. Um, so I think that if, if James Harden can fit into that and increase that and sort of set the tone there, it's going to make them even more diverse offensively and really put the pressure on. Because, you know, if you've got a KD, James Harden, or Kyrie Irving attacking on closeouts, stop it. Like, who's stopping it? Like, unless you are Anthony Davis, there is pretty much no one else in the league that I think can stop that shit. Yeah, I mean, even Anthony Davis is going to not be able to stop KD at certain times because no yeah. one can. Like, Kevin Durant is that good of a player. It's funny. All I've saw today is, like, who's going to guard the Nets? People answering questions. Like, yo, at the end of the day, there, nobody can really guard Kevin Durant if he's on. Like, no one. Like, there's literally not a body in the NBA that can lock him up if he's in his bag and he's hot right now. And you could argue the same thing about the other two guys, but Kevin Durant literally has just the physical measurements where the only way to stop him is just trap him insanely. And good luck with that with Kyrie and Harden out there and Joe hey, Harris. Hey, I don't know. Isaac Bongo was pretty good when he was playing some into the Washington <laughs> Wizards. Hey, well, that's, well, that's one thing Scott Brooks didn't Yeah, I don't think he's been playing for them anymore either. Which and is that's, how dumb, that's how dumb Scott Brooks is. He doesn't realize that a good defensive player. their defense player is literally one of the worst, but that, save that for the outlet. <laughs> yeah, save for the outlet, save for JBT, and I'll get on Wizards woes with Nick. Um, <laughs> Nick, this is in relation to, I guess, Sean Marks wanting to strike while the iron is hot. Um, seeing that there is obviously a, a limited window with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving all having contracts that ending in the near term. He's like, we know that the window is upon us and it's certainly exciting to know. We have them for the foreseeable future. We have some high expectations and that's why we've brought in who we have here. That includes the coaching staff as well. It is a group combined effort and collaboration between coaches and players without a doubt. We need to capitalize on the window and what is right in front of us right now. That is why some of these decisions have to be made. We're looking forward to getting the group out there. Nick, do you think that this, the opportunity to make this trade, it was forced upon Sean Marks in a set, in, to an extent? It's just like, you know what? We need to, even if it's in, like, and I heard a lot of different podcasts like Zach Lowe, and we heard like 538 with Chris Herring, sort of talking about how like the percentages for championship odds have changed and the Nets are now favorites in the East or whatever. Do you think even the the marginal increase that we might have seen, because the Nets would have probably been a championship contender with Karras at Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and, and Rody, do you think that it was it, it was worth it in the end for even the slight increase that we got, despite the fact that there's a lot of pitfalls that could be on the on the other side of it all? Yeah, I think every move Sean Marks has made over the last like two years screams 
we're going all in and we're trying to be the best possible team we can be. We're going to try to cap out and hit that high level potential. Like you don't hire a guy like Steve Nash. You could have went with the easy hire and a guy like Ty Lue that's safe, but you went with a guy and Steve Nash that could possibly be a, a great coach and like take his game to another level and be the perfect fit. He's trying to make everything as great as possible and put the nets in a dynasty. Like you've kind of mentioned earlier. And that's the type of potential you have when you add a player of James Harden's stature. Like we're talking about an MVP level player. Now we have two of them. And the only other team in the league that has two MVP level players is the Lakers. And now our third player is better than theirs. Obviously you can talk about the rest of the roster and I'm sure we'll do that at different points. But you said the Nets were probably a championship contender with that last team. They're now there's a better chance of them beating the Lakers where that was the biggest question. I think for a lot of people was like, Hey, the Nets will get through the East, but I don't think they can beat LA. Now, when you look at that matchup, there's question marks for both sides. And before, there was more question marks for the Nets. Now the Lakers, there's some question marks about how they're going to deal with the likes of the Nets having these three stars and two of them being superstars. Yeah, look, I think on that same podcast I was listening to, they sort of brought up the team to have the best chance of guarding the yep. the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And I thought that they brought up you know great teams and, and great opponents. So it's, it's not going to be all easy, but... Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on t- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Top of that, will help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part, it's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Nick, in terms of the decision that, you know, to add all those picks and send out, you know, Kaosavo, Jared Allen and, and Rudy and, and Torian, this is what Sean Mark said. 
Uh, it is a building step to where we are. It was a tough decision without a doubt. When we are sitting here saying, look, we're going to have to trade away picks and picks and giving away players that I truly love and our franchise love those guys, we have to make those hard decisions. It's never easy, and it certainly wasn't easy when I had to talk to those players. I don't want to make light of the situation. We had to do this to win a championship and so forth. There was a lot of thought and a lot of process that went into it, a lot of collaboration through a variety of levels from ownership, front office coaches. Everyone had a say in this. We don't take that light, and we had to make some pretty tough decisions. Um and he also said in relation to being you know, bankrupt uh, with, with their picks, he said, we are not bankrupt right now, so there are still multiple ways to build. I think this group has shown some resilience on how to build, and we will continue to build with or without the picks that we may or may not have right now. We'll show resilience throughout all of this. Nick, I guess, what are your comments on the toughness of the decision and the fact that Sean Marks has, uh, I guess, a positive mindset about the fact that the, net, the Nets aren't bankrupt for the future? Yeah, I think it's an extremely tough decision. We knew that Sean Marks really didn't want to trade guys like Karis Avert and Jared Allen. They're guys that he really values, especially because they were his draft picks and what they did for the Nets culture and helping them get to this point. So, yeah, you understand that, and obviously you're taking a huge risk. You kind of just took a gamble, and you put all your chips on red. You know what I mean? Or on black, whatever you prefer in roulette. But I think that that's kind of where we're at right now, and you understand why Sean Marks did it. Like, he didn't go to the casino to come away with a couple uh, extra hundred bucks. Like, he went to the casino to get rich and reach his goal and get money that's going to change his life. And hopefully that's what happened. I like his odds in the bet because, again, you don't have many opportunities to acquire a player of James Harden's stature. You know what I mean? Especially when you already have two star players in your team, one being an MVP-level player in Kevin Durant. Typically, all your picks are used to trade for that guy or they're used in some other way, and you don't ever have the avenues to create this super team unless there's some change in the CBA and Steph Curry's on a, a crazy contract and you can sign Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Like, to be in this situation is rare. So I think, you know, Sean Marks put himself here. This is what he wanted to do. I appreciate him doing it. I think it's a smart move, and you go all in and see what you can do because, again, this can be a historical team. This could be a legacy team for James Harden, for Kevin Durant, for Kyrie Irving, and also for Sean Marks. Like, if this works and he puts this team together and they win two championships or more or whatever happens, like, all right, now we talk, start talking about Sean Marks being the best GM in the game or it starts working on his Hall of Fame resume. And, Jack, what yeah. was the second part of the question? I kind of went on a rant. No, no, no. I, I want to. I'll, I'll re. I'll go through it again in a little bit, Nick. But I wanted to touch on what you were sort of saying. You know, if, in terms of Sean Marks, you know, if he, when you win a championship, you go from being like, you know, the fun sort of GM to being that GM. You know, yep. Moore, he's sort of like that fun GM. He's always making trades and stuff. He's always around the mark. But he ain't Bob Myers. He ain't you know RC Buford. He ain't Masai Ujiri. They've got the the silverware, the goldware, whatever the color it is that he wants. And Sean Marks is doing all the things that he thinks will provide the most success. Obviously, collaborating with their own it seems to me that Joe Sy was all in, all in on this deal. Um, I think that you know he is clearly all for superstars. He wants the flashiness. He wants the attention. And he wants all of it. And, and I think as an owner, but he's not necessarily... Uh, we sort of spoke about in relationship to Steve Nash hiring. We sort of saw it as, oh, well, is this a Joe Sy kind of hiring? You know, bring some attention to the city. Take it away from the Knicks. Uh, but it seems to me that Sean Marks is, is showing that while it, it, while he's collaborating with K, KD, with Kai, with the coaches, with, with the rest of the front office, with ownership, he seems to me to still have control of this franchise yep. and decision-making, um, which is positive to see because, you know, you sort of hear what would be going on in Houston right now. I would say that a lot of the moves that they're making, at least from the optics level, and we'll chat about on the outlet, seem to be because Tillman's probably a little bit cash-strapped 
Whereas yeah. it certainly helps having an owner that is willing to go all in and pay millions and millions of dollars. And obviously, Joe Sy is lucky enough to have increased his wealth over the past year, unlike many others. But yeah, in saying that, Nick, uh, the decisions were incredibly tough. You know, I've put out on Twitter, you know, seeing Karras and, and Jared Allen in those Photoshop New Jerseys, while it's it's awesome for them, it's going to be take some, some time to getting used to. And, and Jared Allen and, and Karras, what they've done for, for you know for, for the franchise and for the city as a whole, you know, it sticks out to me. Jared Allen and, and those Thanksgiving runs that he did with the, with the kids, teaching them about budgeting and maths, and the, the looks on their faces, looking up at him with that big afro. Um, it, it just it warms my heart and, and gives me tingles because um, there aren't many great people in the world. Uh, it seems to me that we're, we're losing sight of just the good people. And there's yeah. a lot of good people in the NBA uh, and it just sucks to lose one of them from your team and two of them probably. And Torian Prince and Rodeo Gray as well. But the emotional attachment to guys that we've seen grown up, as you alluded to on the previous episode, go from you know boys to men in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, and they're only going to keep growing and they're only going to keep getting better. So, um, and it's probably and even tougher for Sean Marks because he's like – he builds relationships with players. That's what he does. You can tell by the way he acts around them, talking to them. And they like Sean Marks, it seems like, too. So it feels like it's just something that, you know, it's going to hurt. Like, it, it's just not something you want to do. You lose a friend or even when, like, you're growing up and your friend goes away to college and then they live in that state, you know, the rest of their life and you don't really see them anymore. It's a tough thing that happens and you're not going to have that same type of relationship. And just one point on Sean Marks, what, when you were talking about, like, we were talking about how legacy and things along those lines, makes me think about that article you brought up a couple of weeks ago and the mention of his ego like that's mm. a thing it's a low-key thing but i think this is a little bit more evident in a situation like this hey i believe in what i can do i can manage these players i can find what i need to find to make this a championship roster and oh yeah we don't have picks no big deal i did that already you know what i mean yeah. i've already done it and to be honest i think a thing that's kind of being ignored it's three first round picks being traded and four are swaps and there's no guarantee the Rockets are even going to be good and where these picks are going to end up for the Nets. And Sean Marks has had a, a pretty good uh, resume in terms of drafting players in the 20s. Yeah, and, and I think that that's an element that could obviously haunt the Nets. You know, pick swaps have haunted us in the past. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard. But there's also, you know, you look to what's going to happen with the Lakers right now. All their picks are going to be 20s uh, and their pick swaps aren't going to be great. So uh, I think that in, in saying that, you know, it's... The opportunities are there for Houston and they've got that control. But yeah, Sean Marks' ability to find diamonds in the rough. You know, Karis Avert, Jared Allen are, are prototypes of that. Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, key tent poles of this franchise weren't, weren't even picks. They were just cast-offs. Yep. And, and, you know, Bruce Brown was got with a second-round pick. You know, it, the way that Sean Marks knows how to find talent, TLC as well, cast away from two, three different NBA teams, and now he's contributing to this team as well. I think that he's going to have his misses, and he has had his misses. Torian yeah. Prince, Alan Crabb, you know, Jalen Musa. You know, you, you're never going to hit him. turning around? No. The Kool-Aid is still being drunk by me, and I'll be drinking it, uh, whether it's in Cleveland or, or elsewhere. But, and yeah, you, the... To get Nicholas Claxton, to be able to get that pick in the first place. I think it was like trading away Trevor Booker or, or whatever it was to, to Philadelphia and get these high second round picks and to make value out of second round picks. Reggie Perry might be something as well, Nick. So the ability to find talent and utilize talent um, is a skill as a GM. And obviously, I also look to uh, Arena Pavlova, who was part of the hiring process. And, you know, she's always talking up Sean Marks on Twitter. And I saw some of her tweets today as well, sort of saying that, look, 
we've gone from 12 and 70 and you know i don't even kind of remember the names of the players on our old roster shane larkin alexi shved i, I don't oh, i don't know half of the dudes nick but we are now in the <laughs> yeah we are now in the precipice of being you know a, a dynasty the, the nets are the villains they haven't done anything to be the villains yet but if they win then it's going to be all worth it winning cures all um, and it's going to be a long process to get there I'm glad that it probably has happened at this early point. So there's a, a greater acclimation process. But look, I guess I'll, I'll, I'm sort of touching on it a little bit. I do want to get your thoughts. Uh, he said about the bankrupt. That he said that the team isn't bankrupt. We aren't bankrupt and there are multiple ways to build. Nick, are you buying into that, Mark? Or is that just spin? Or do you actually see you know, his recent actions in you know, the five years he's been with the Brooklyn Nets as evidence that he has shown different ways to build? Yeah, I mean, he literally got here with nothing. Like, no player on the roster was still on the roster when he took over, still here. You know what I mean? They're all player. The guy that was, I think that was on the longest was Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Obviously, yeah. he's gone. So, I think Sean Marks has proven he can do it. It doesn't mean that he's a guarantee to do it again, but the possibility is there. And then also, I think something that's being forgotten, too, is like, if the Nets do not re-sign Kevin Durant or re-sign James Harden or re-sign Kyrie Irving, they will have a lot of cap space, and they've proven to be a spot that players want to play. And that's not just because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are here. This was prior. This is Jimmy Butler talking about wanting to be traded here and other guys of that stature saying, hey, Brooklyn's on my list. Trade me to Brooklyn. And I think the same thing will happen in free agency. Like you mentioned with Joe Sy, spend a lot of money. That's what players love to see. They don't want to join a team that has an owner that's like, oh, I need to get under the tax. This is going to, pre- this one player is going to prevent us from winning a championship. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, they want to see a guy that's willing to go out there, help them do their job, and put them in the best possible position. And the Nets do that on a multitude of levels. It's not just the coaching, it's not just the front office, it's all the amenities and the practice facility and what Joe Sai is willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I think all of those sort of things. And look, a lot of credit goes to Mikhail Prokhorov. His best decision that he made was hiring Sean Marks. Yep. That set the tone for this it's franchise going. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and selling the team to go side because, um, look, one thing Mikhail, and I think if he was at the helm right now, he would have been happy to go into the tax for these sort of moves as well. Yep. We saw him do it. You know, obviously a completely different circumstance and with guys five years. He was years probably too up. aggressive. Because he was yeah. a big reason that trade happened. Billy King actually talked about it, and this is what kind of sucks for Billy King, is that he gets shit on so much, is that ownership was really, really pressing that trade, and they just said, do it, do it, do it, without in regards to the picks. And, and yeah, it seems to me that Sean Marks has the control right now. Yep. Um, and despite the fact that they, they gave up all those picks and, and could back, come back to bite them in the bum because, you know, we have seen it happen. You know, I think that Literally. Sean Marks... <laughs> Yeah, Sean, Sean Marks is in a better position to keep the team somewhat successful so it doesn't look like, you know, a Jason Tatum, a Damian Lillard, and a Jalen Brown are on opposing teams and they all could have been Brooklyn Nets. Whereas, you know, if it's like a, a Colin Sexton or someone else like that, then it, does, it doesn't look as you bad. You don't lose sleep. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to lose sleep because, man, the Brooklyn Nets could be different in so many different ways, but that's a discussion for, for a different day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I sort of uh, provided my thoughts on, on Sean Marks and his ability to, to build a team, and he's already proven that with little to no assets, and he can do it again, and he can be creative, and he has that flexibility. He has good relationships with opposing front offices, um, and he knows how to find talent where talent isn't necessarily there. And, and there's still, that, like, the question, too, with Spencer Dinwiddie, if they are able to extend him long-term or find some way to work out his contract, that's a guy that is really a game-changer, and he's still at an age where he can kind of help, not necessarily lead the team, but still be kind of a young gun when these guys are getting past their prime. 
Yeah, as uh, Spencer said, we're in the end game now. Um, man, I love Spence. Come back soon, my dude. We're thinking of you. Um, the comment that I think garnered a lot of attention, Nick, was about Nets culture. I'm bringing it back up. It seems yeah. to me be something that comes up on the podcast at least once a month. Now, stick with me because this is an extensive one. And while some people might hear this as BS, I wanted to say it in full to provide the fullest context. He said, your culture has got to be constantly evolving. The minute we, the minute we are stagnant and anybody for that matter in any industry says, hey, our culture is what it is and it's fixed and it's done, I think that's going to be the demise because other teams, other franchises, other industries will catch up to you. And I think for us, our goal ultimately is to put out a championship contender and have, uh, have some sustainable success. And that's what we want to do. And hence, that's what brought us to this opportunity now. And that's all the different building blocks and how your culture still continues to evolve and how it has evolved over five years. All we set out for five years ago with our culture, it was the buzzword. We want to build a culture. We want to build a culture. And I think that's still true to this day. We still want to build a culture. The players might look a little differently. Some of the staff looks a little different and so forth, but we have multiple culture drivers here. And that's what we're constantly looking for. And that will hopefully take us to the next stage where this franchise needs to be and wants to be. Is that just word drivel, word salad to you, Nick, or is there a little bit of legitimacy to it? I think there's, you know, it's a, it's probably a little bit of both. You know what I mean? It's the right thing to say, and obviously he does want to have the culture. There's no guarantee he's going to have it with the players he does have an in-house. But I think the difference is the Nets wanted to create a professional culture when Kenny Axon and Sean Marks first took over. Then it became a winning culture, and now it's becoming a championship culture. And at the end of the day, there's no such thing as a championship culture without championship players. You can't be, have a championship culture without having a legitimate shot at winning a championship. And the Nets are at the highest possible chance to win a championship. There's not many more things he's could have done to put the Nets in a better position than what they are now. I know people have their question marks about the roster, but at the end of the day, you put five guys on the court, the Nets have three of the top 15 guys in the league and probably two of the top seven at the very minimum. Yeah, I think that... Culture was incredibly... I go back to a Steve Kerr comment um, when Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson were at the helm. And he was like, what, the, what they're doing right now is building a culture to bring in the players. I was lucky enough to have the players and then build the culture. Yep. Sean Marks has gone about it the opposite route. And we've sort of seen the success the Golden State have had. And Steve Kerr has been a key driver of that success alongside uh, Bob Myers. Steve yep. Nash and Sean Marks seem to have a similar sort of collaboration uh, and connection and relationship there. So hopefully that does bode well. But I, I do agree, Nick, that, you know, culture is whatever. It's, it's this buzzword or whatever. And, and some of it is just BS coming out of Sean Marks' mouth. But there are still key tent poles and key indicators of, you know, at the end of the day, the culture is we want to win. We want a winning culture. And at the end of the day, you need to have talent to get that. You need to have superstars to get that. And you know, you can't necessarily do that when you have no picks and all your picks are somewhere else. So let's try and get a young guy like a D'Angelo Russell in. Let's try and trade for these young. Let's try and get these picks here like a Nicholas Claxton. Let's try and find a young big in Jared Allen. Let's try and find a sharpshooter in Joe Harris. Let's yep. find a castaway in Spencer Dimwitty. Finding that, finding that talent brought in a, a semblance of success, a semblance of winning. Winning became part of the culture. And I think that there was an element of comfort as fans, and it was awesome. The, the, the come-up story, you know, the, 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 the lovable underdogs the Brooklyn Nets were. Lack of the pressure. The lack of pressure. And I know that it, like, it, it's already been an anxiety-driven <laughs> season for us as fans, but it's going to get a lot much worse and a lot longer, and there's going to be many anxious-driven. But Wait till the postseason starts. <laughs> yeah, I know. We ain't even there yet. We're 12 games in. It feels like the longest 12, 12 games that we've ever had, or 13 games, however many it is. Um, so, yeah, I think that... It, 
culture is a, is a very subjective sort of term and can be driven by different uh, by different people and different sort of and different sort of ways of and behaviors so i think that it's going to be constantly changing as sean marks did allude to and right now the culture is James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. And there is going to be lapses in the standards of the culture. You know, we, we see with what Kyrie Irving has done of late. But if the Nets win, it seems to me that the key thing that Sean Marks is saying on all of that, winning is what matters. Winning is the culture. And we need to do the things to establish and give ourselves the best chance of winning. You know what does that? Getting some of the best players yep. that we have ever seen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you want to have a ring culture where it's all about the ring. You want to win championships. Like I said, you want a championship culture. Everything else doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, ask James Harden. People aren't going to remember him unless he wins championships. He'll go down as one of these great players that never won a chip. Like, you need that in this day and age. That's what people need. That's what they care about when they talk about the play- players' legacies. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Nick, we also heard some news regarding Kyrie Irving. Um, we did chat about him a little bit there. Obviously, Sean Marks has been in contact. We did see the press release. We've yep. given our thoughts on that. But he said this as well. Regarding Kyrie Irving and when he'll be back with the team, part of that is up to the NBA. And we're waiting for them to come with a ruling on the health and safety protocol. Hopefully, we'll have a ruling soon. I have talked to Kyrie. I know he's excited about getting back on the court with his teammates as soon as possible. Uh, he's been keeping... Um, up with these health and safety protocols and testing daily. Since we've been doing that, it's out of my hands. The league is reviewing. We look forward to addressing with Kyrie when we're back in the building amongst his teammates, amongst his Nets family, and going from there. Seems to me that Sean Marks has found a decent enough balance between, like, you know, we're pretty upset with what he's done, but also being like, you know, we need to nurture and you know, the Nets family thing. He's we still our player. Go- He's still our player, and you know, sort of, you know, as Jared Allen and as, as Kevin Durant have said, like, you know, he's our brother, um, and all those sort of things. So, look. I'm intrigued to see what and when Kyrie Irving does speak, but to hear that Sean Marks has had that communication and um, that he is doing regular testing and all these sort of things um, is a positive step. 100%. And I think like it, it kind of puts more pressure on Kyrie Irving to get back on the court too. You know, with James Harden coming here and realizing the expectations of this team and who he is in the NBA. So like you said, I'm intrigued to hear what Kyrie has to say. I like how Sean Marks, again, put it on Kyrie to discuss that and figure things out for himself and explain himself. And like you said, it's not up to him. It's up to the NBA and when he's going to play again. Yeah. And in relation to Kyrie, he said, we're going to let him address this in his own way. Without a doubt, the organization's disappointed in not, not having any one of our players, in this case, Kyrie. Uh, he, him and Sean just do, uh, him and Steve, so just do such a good job of not being like, uh, like, we're the boss here, you've done something wrong. It's just like, look, we have standards, he hasn't adhered to them. Uh, sorry, um, not amongst us, not in the trenches with us. I don't want to speculate and say why he's out. I've had conversations with him and I'll continue to have conversations with him. Look forward to having him back in the gym where he will address this. We'll sit down with him. He's part of our family. This group is part of our family and we'll continue to build with the group that's here. You ask if it's okay if people miss time. It's been well documented that if there's reasonable excuses for their absence, fine. We have got support, whether it's our players or whether it's our staff and anyone would do in in this industry. Uh, You also hope that there's a more than adequate excuse as to why he needs personal time. He will address that without a doubt. I think, harking back to the sort of culture um, comment, Nick, the family element was something that was established quite early. You had Damari Carroll, Ed Davis, Jared Dudley sort of speak about this. That seems to have been a key tentpole going forward. Uh, And it's not the key takeaway that I took from that, but it's certainly something that did spring to mind. Yeah, it definitely is part of it again. And and like you said, he does a good job of kind of putting pressure on Kyrie to an extent without outright being like, 
we're pissed off at Kyrie. I can't believe he did this, blah, 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 blah. Like he's giving him the opportunity to come out and be like, all right, you know, we're not happy with it, but let's hear what he has to say. He kind of has to address myself, address the rest of the team on the situation a little bit more when he gets here, and we'll make our judgment then. Right now, we're not feeling great about it, but we're not going to lose our shit over it. Absolutely. Two more things I want to get to, Nick. One more Sean Marks quote and one yep. more question for you. Um, and the first one is in relation to the fact that a lot of people were speculating that this trade was sped up because of the because of Kyrie Irving's absence and the fact that they wanted to get him in, be, James Harden in, because there is a volatile and, and uncertain nature about Kyrie Irving's status. He's going to retire, according to Stephen A. Smith. But Sean Marks, from his mouth itself, he said this. No, they're completely separate from one another. Kyrie's absence and personal issues that he's dealing with has nothing to do with us going after and attaining James Harden. You buy it, Nick? I think I do to an extent. I think uh, this specific situation doesn't make Sean Marks need to have Kyrie Irving insurance. I think Kyrie Irving's injury history is more evident of him not playing games. You know what I mean? I think Sean Marks is probably more confident in him coming back and that he was going to be out for an extended period of time. We still don't know when he's going to be back, but I don't think at any point they felt like he wasn't going to play again this season. Given Kevin Durant was there, I don't think KD would be too happy about that, and that would possibly ruin the relationship. I don't want to speak for either of them, but I would just think like, hey, we're supposed to do this as a team, as brothers, as friends, and then all of a sudden you kind of dip on me. That's kind of wrong. But – um. You know, we'll just kind of see what happens with it. And I think, again, it's the insurance factor. I think Zach Lowe brought this up on the podcast like a million times uh, that like you, the Nets can still win it. Like if hypothetically, if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back or if he is injured the rest of the season or for whatever reason, James Harden and Kevin Durant is enough to win a championship. Like it really is, especially in terms of getting to the finals. Maybe it's not enough to beat the Lakers, but it's probably enough to beat almost every single team in the East. And maybe the Bucs can give you a challenge, but you still feel really good about having two top seven players, arguably two top five. They're probably the two best players in the East alone by themselves. Joel Embiid's been playing incredibly well, and Giannis has been playing incredibly well. Um, but and, and maybe Giannis, sorry. So probably two of the four, three best players yeah, in the East. Yeah, they're all in the same they're tier. You know what I mean? Yep. They're all tier one players, Elite. superstar players. Absolutely. Look, I buy it to an extent as well, Nick, and I do like hearing it. And I wonder if Kyrie Irving had been playing, whether this would this uh, conversation would have been happening. Uh, you can't help but speculate the fact that, look, the Nets were looking really good with KD and Kyrie together. Things were clicking, things were gelling. And now, I guess, the superstar insurance sort of thing, it does sort of, you can't help but think about it. And we're not going to know at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, you you have the superstar. You have three superstars now, and that's all that matters. Whether it's Sands Kyrie with Kyrie, um, obviously Kyrie's As a GM. You're never you're never going to get an opportunity to have three stars like this again. Most likely, you know what I mean. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for a GM. Like it's not like. Even as good as Pat Riley is, like he had the big three and they've put together some good teams, but they haven't been able to get that same level of that Miami Heat big three that won championships. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to do. You have to take the opportunity when it's there, regardless of some of the other factors. So that's why I kind of believe Sean Marks. And also like based off reporting of from Pooch, like this was already done. And it, it makes more sense now that the Rockets backed out at the last second in terms of that other deal, given that the trade was almost exactly the same. They didn't get what they wanted. The only difference was other teams were involved and those players went to elsewhere and the Rockets got more picks and uh, more cap relief and less players. Yeah, we'll attack it from the other side on the outlet and JBT. Yeah. But the final thing I wanted to ask you, Nick, is the Nets are still filling out the roster and Sean Marks did allude to that as well. I don't have the, the quote right in front of me, but he has said that the Nets aren't done yet. Obviously, we need to fill out three yeah. more spots on, on the roster. Now, 
there's the injury, the hard player exception, or whatever it's called. Sorry if I'm uh, disabled um, player out. exception. Yep. Disabled player exception. Thank you. Uh, the taxpayer mid level exception, as well as buyouts and and all the rest. So the Nets have some flexibility to attain players and provide a level of you know compensation that other teams might not be able to. But Nick, three people might that. Here's five people in a list that I love, and you you sent me a really extensive list that was really great. But these are the five that I'll be really, really happy with, and I'll give you my top three out of them. Dwayne Dedman, Rondo Hollis-Jefferson, Shabazz Napier, Trevor Ariza, Damari Carroll, Isaiah Thomas. Sorry, that's six names. Uh, and my top three are Dwayne Dedman, Rondo Hollis-Jefferson, and Shabazz Napier. Three names for me, Nick. You know, At this point in time, obviously, it can change considering buyouts and, and the rest. But what are your three that you want to fill out this roster? Yeah, I think Dwayne Dedman and Rondé would be on that list. You know, I think they'd be two guys I'd definitely consider in the situation. Honestly, I, I would possibly consider a guy like Andre Roberson, just given he's been in the role before of being, you know, the role player that doesn't get touches and he can do some of those small things and provide energy. I think a lot of that for him depends on his health. You know, I'm not sure where he's at athletically. Has I actually saw him say something to his, like, partner or former partner on Twitter, like he was – Robin Fick sort of trying to apologize to us. So I don't know where he's at personally right now. I'm not yeah. judging that by a tweet, but yeah, I do like, I've always been a fan of actually Andre Robertson. And I believe we did bring him up in uh, preseason. Yep. Uh, he has a connection to Spencer too. So, yep. Yep. So look, I think that the, it, we're not done. The the Nets aren't done yet. Sean Marks ain't done yet. And we'll, we'll see how it all pans out, but it's going to be an ever evolving conversation about this team, Nick. It's a game by game thing. And, James Harden uh, could be suiting up for the Brooklyn Nets in a matter of days. We could see him against the Orlando Magic, and we could be recapping that game. Uh, and hopefully, James Harden has a has a big one. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like he'll pop off in his first game. It just is a vibe that I get from James Harden. You know, we see what he did in his first game of the season, where everyone was just like, "Ah, oh, no, nah, dude, this this guy's fat." You see, he hasn't even done any training camp. He's like forty five. He's trying 15. to play power forward now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. <laughs> I'll probably get plenty of minutes down there in Brooklyn, but uh, always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And obviously, you can catch out some of the previous shows, the James Harden live reaction pod, recap over the win over the Knicks from yesterday. Check it out, all streaming platforms, otgbasketball.com, nutsapog.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Hey, guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup, Rocky, from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.